There were once uh, two construction workers who had taken a lunch break. And when they'd taken their lunch break, they opened their lunch boxes. And one of them uh, looked inside his lunch box and he said, Not ham again. I can't believe it. I hate ham. This is the third time this week I've had ham. I can't stand ham. His friend said to him, why don't you just ask your wife to make you something different? But the first man replied, oh, I don't have a wife. I made these myself. (laughs) It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But I wonder, I wonder if that's a situation that many of us find ourselves in. Perhaps it's not ham sandwiches, but perhaps we're uh, stuck in habits that we want to change, Uh, we hate the habits, and yet we just can't seem to break out of it. Uh, We know change is only going to come from us, we're the ones who have to make the change, and yet we seemingly cannot do it, however much we hate the habit. More seriously, sometimes it's sins. Uh, Sins we desperately want to get rid of, and yet somehow we just seem to not be able to. Like that construction worker, we complain about the ham in our life, yet it is we who are putting the ham in. We just can't seem to change. That's what makes King Manasseh so significant. Uh, King Manasseh was a man who changed. That's why I put that picture of the butterfly on front of your sheets. Like that butterfly which changes from a little caterpillar, caterpillar to a butterfly, King Manasseh had a dramatic change. And it's hard to think of many other people in Scripture who changed so quickly and so dramatically. Uh, did you notice what it said about, verse, about King Manasseh in verse 2 of chapter 33? It says, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And really that is putting it mildly to say he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, We're told in verse 3 that Manasseh rebuilt the altars and the temples for Baal. Uh, The temples and altars which his father Hezekiah had destroyed, he rebuilt. We're told he even worshipped the stars. He worshipped the host of heaven. Uh, In verse 7, we're told that he even built an altar, an idol, in the temple itself. The place where people were supposed to worship the true God... Right in the middle of it, Manasseh placed an idol. Uh, Verse 6 tells us he practiced soothsaying and witchcraft and sorcery. If that wasn't bad enough, uh, we learn that he murdered his sons by causing them to pass through the fire as some sort of living sacrifice to other gods. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 21 verse 6 actually tells us that he killed many innocent people, so many that he filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. 
like Jeroboam, many kings before him, he dragged others with him into sin. We're told he seduced the Israelites away from God. And in verse 10, we're told that God warned him. God warned him to repent, but he refused to listen. He refused to listen what God said to him. And tradition says that he executed the prophet Isaiah by sawing him in half. Uh, Normally, I wouldn't uh, cite tradition, but it's interesting in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, uh, the author of Hebrews mentions those who were sawn in half, uh, apparently referring to this story. So Manasseh was a bad man. Manasseh was an evil man, and it's not surprising he's considered one of the most evil kings that Judah, or Israel even, ever had. But look at the end of the chapter. Or look at what happened later on in the chapter. In verse 14, speaking about the same King Manasseh, it says, he built a wall outside the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley as far as the entrance of the Fiscate, and he raised it to a very great height. We're told that he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. And we're told in verse 15, he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out of the city. We're also told in verse 16 that he also repaired the altar of the Lord and he sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it. And he commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. What a change. What a difference between King Manasseh at the beginning of the chapter to what he is at the end. You might wonder, well, what turned Manasseh? What changed Manasseh? What turned him from one of the most evil kings Israel ever had, or Judah already ever had, into one of its greatest reformers? Well, we can read the answer in verses 10 13. Verses 10 to 13, we learn what happened. It says, the Lord, from verse 11, sorry, uh, the Lord brought upon them, that's the Israelites, the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. You know, it's tempting to say uh, that it was Manasseh's suffering which made the change. Uh, that Manasseh went through all this suffering and he saw the error of his ways and he turned around. This is why it's important to read carefully what God's word says. Because that's not exactly what happened. Manasseh's suffering certainly brought him to his knees. It certainly brought him to cry out to God. But Manasseh was not changed by the hooks or the chains of bronze, or the dark dungeon that he was placed in. What made the difference was the grace of God. Did you notice what it said in verse 13? It says that Manasseh prayed to God, 
he pled, um, he, he cried out to God. And then it says that God heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. It was when Manasseh had received God's grace, then he truly believed that God was his God. It was seeing and experiencing God's grace that changed Manasseh's heart. And there's a really important lesson here for us. Um, Law and its punishments uh, can only go so far. Manasseh reaped the rewards of his sin when he was taken captive and thrown into that dungeon and dragged with hooks. But that by itself was not able to change him. Uh, Manasseh had heard the law many, many times. We're told that God had warned him many, many times. Uh, But he had silenced the prophets. God's law had not had that effect on his heart. By itself, law and judgment does not change anyone. Any more than telling someone that they are drowning will bring them safely to the shore. It might be true. It might be necessary to some extent, but it will not save them by itself. A famous Christian of years gone by once said, the law is the light that reveals how dirty the room is, but it's not the broom that sweeps it clean. Merely knowing what God wants is not enough. It's like uh, a high jumper looking at a high jump bar. And yes, uh, he or she needs to know how high it is, but that knowledge will not help them get over it. That help needs to come from elsewhere. And it's the same with us. The Bible teaches us God's standard. It tells us how high we must jump. And it teaches us how far we have fallen. But that alone cannot change us. We are saved. We are changed when God's grace reaches in and grabs our hearts and wins our trust in him. It reminded me of a story uh, I read a few weeks back. And it told of uh, one Christmas day where a farmer uh, decided to go to church. He was one of these people who go to church sort of twice a year, Easter and Christmas. And he discovered that uh, Christmas fell on a Sunday that year, so he decided perhaps it's a good day, good time to go to church. And the sermon that was preached that day was on the text, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3 reads, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider me. In that passage, Isaiah say, um, God speaks to Isaiah and says, uh, even a farmer, even someone with an ox or a, a sheep, Uh, or donkey that donkey knows who feeds them that animal knows who cares for them 
And yet Israel did not know their master. They did not know God's. And after church, the farmer returned home and he stood amongst his cows. And one of them began to lick his hand. And strong man though he was, the farmer began to weep as he thought, God did much for me and yet I never thanked him. My cow is far more grateful to me than I am to God's. And yet what do I ever do? What do I ever give her except grace, except grass and water? You see how that farmer had had his eyes opened to the grace of God. He finally saw who God is. And he saw his lack of gratitude to him. And his sin in the light of it appears so much greater. This can be summed up in the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, which you can read on the front of your service sheet. Uh, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul wrote, Do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's when we hear about what God has done when we understand God's grace and his love towards us, that is what wins our heart. That is what changes our heart. It's that which makes all the difference. But let me clarify. Um, It's not enough simply to hear about God's grace. Many people do that and it makes no change whatsoever. Uh, Back in the book of Exodus... Uh, Pharaoh, nine times over, saw God's grace when he prayed to God to remove the plagues which had been brought upon him. Uh, We're told several times that uh, Pharaoh repented, but then he went straight back to his old path of life. God's grace did not change his heart. Uh, The vast majority of this world, as it were, walks past the cross of Christ And it means nothing to them. We've just celebrated Easter. Um, Most people in this country, to some extent or another, have celebrated Easter. And yet, the knowledge that Christ came for sinners has no effect on the vast majority of people. Um, God shows grace to everyone every day uh, when he causes the sun to shine down on everyone when he gives us rain from heaven and snow in winter, Uh, when he causes the trees to blossom in spring and the trees to bear fruit in summer and autumn, Uh, when he fills our bellies with food and our hearts with joy, uh, God is continually showering us with his grace. And yet so many people simply ignore him. Uh, They receive the gift but ignore the giver. God's grace makes no change in their life. Change happens, as it did with Manasseh, when our eyes are opened to God's grace and when he wins our trust. And when we say, he's my king, he's the one I will follow. How can I not follow someone who has been so good to me? You know, in Israel, uh, if someone owned a slave... Uh, they were to release that slave 
after six years. Uh, But the slave did not have to go free if they did not want to. Uh, If the slave loved their master so much, uh, they could say, I don't want to go. I want to stay with my master. And if so, the master would put an awl, like a peg, in his ear, and the slave would serve that master for life because of his love for him. Well, that's what happens to the Christian. That's what happens when someone follows Christ. They see what Christ has done. Uh, They see how he died, and they follow him. They say, I will serve him for life. Uh, It's when we see Christ willingly going to the cross to give his life a ransom for many. Uh, When he comes and he says, I came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, When we see him sweating drops of blood in Gethsemane. When we see him going to that cross, though it cost him so much for us. Uh, When we hear him say, even as they hammered nails into his wrists and into his feet, nevertheless he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we realize that all this is because of our sin. When we truly understand that, when we truly understand that for ourselves, it moves our heart, it captures our heart, and we say, that's my king. That's my master. No longer will I serve myself. I will serve him. We don't serve him in order to be saved. We serve him because we have seen how much he loved us before we ever served him. As Paul says again, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God rescued Manasseh before he was able to do any reforms. He was in the dungeon. He'd already committed all his sins. All he could do was cry out to God for mercy. And God heard him and gave him grace. And it changed his heart. And then he reformed. It's a bit like Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? The thief, the liar, the tax collector, who everyone hated. But he wanted to see Jesus. And he climbed a sycamore tree because he was a short man and he couldn't see Jesus otherwise. And then Jesus shows him grace. Although everyone else hated Zacchaeus, Jesus looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for tea. All the others hated him. All the others rejected Zacchaeus. But Jesus showed love to him. And at the end of that meal, Zacchaeus says, if I've ever stolen anything, I'm going to give it back four times as much. And whatever's left, I'm going to give to the poor. Do you see how Zacchaeus' heart was changed by the grace of God? Now, we all have uh, some sort of God in our life. Uh, I don't know the hearts of everyone here, uh, but I do know that we all have someone or something that we serve, something which grips our heart, which has chief place inside of us. And for most of us, it is ourselves. Um, We judge what we do or what we don't based on what we want to do. Uh, For some, it's a partner or a spouse. Um, Such people are more concerned about pleasing them 
than anyone else. And for some, it's their children. Their lives revolve around their children and serving them that they might have the best opportunities in life. Uh, for others, again, it's their employer. Uh, their God is their career. And so they are always afraid of offending their boss, lest it will affect their long-term career. You see how we all have something which we love greatest of all, which governs how we live. Uh, we can see that in Manasseh in the early parts of this chapter. Wherever his God was, it wasn't the God. It wasn't the God of Israel. But when God showed mercy to Manasseh, when Manasseh saw, finally saw how good God was, the goodness of God led him to repentance. Manasseh accepted that he had a new master. So let me ask you this morning, has Christ won your heart? Who has chief place in your desires? Does it still belong to someone or something else? And there are some of you who are here this morning and you're thinking, well, I've heard this all before. Um, this is all just religious stuff. Uh, when's dinner? If that's you, I can tell you now, you're not going to change. There's no power there for you to change because you're blind to God's grace. You don't understand what it costs Christ to die on the cross. But others of you might be thinking, this is wonderful. This is wonderful news that we have a God who is abundant in mercy, who abounds in grace. Is it possible that that could be directed at me despite all the things that I have done. If that's you, then you, just like Manasseh, can cry out to God. Perhaps you're a believer, but perhaps you've grown cold. Perhaps you've lost the first love that you had, like the Ephesians in the book of Revelation. And perhaps once you heart, your heart was on fire for Christ, he was chief in your heart. But since then, you've grown dull. And other things have taken his place. Well, if you want to come back, you can. Like Manasseh, you can cry out to him in your need. And the Bible tells us God is looking for such people. He's looking for people who are in such need, who want to cry out to him. Uh, the Bible says, as I've said before, that God is, uh, his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone that he might show himself strong to. And if you like, Christ, uh, God is looking for an upturned face so that he can shower his grace upon them. Uh, are you any worse than Manasseh? You'd have to be pretty bad to be. But Manasseh found mercy. If God can change him, why not you? That's the lesson we learn from King Manasseh. We can change. We can be different if we understand and if we receive the grace of God. And that's why I've chosen as our final hymn, number 547. 
547. And it's really a hymn which puts into words Manasseh's cry. Uh, it's 547. I bring my sins to thee, the sins I cannot count, that all may cleansed be in thy once open fount. I bring them, Saviour, all to thee. The burden is too great for me. So let's stand to sing 547.